Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast actual play of the Hell's Rebels Adventure Path, Rumor Mill, number 11. Oh, yeah. Well done. Palindrome, I believe. Right? It's a palindrome? What? <laughs> palindrome? Yeah, it's 11. It's it's the same backwards and forward. Oh, yeah. It's oh, a I numerical was thinking the palindrome. Word. Yeah. I was very confused. Yeah, I was like, 11 doesn't start with an N. Yeah. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> the end is silent, and I was like, whoa. Ross was just thinking Taco Cat the entire time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am hungry, and I like cats. So yep. The rumor mill, Nelvin, Nelvi. <laughs> it was 11 backwards. I don't know. We am not in Bizarro World. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we are going to be discussing episodes 31, 32, and 33. Yep, the big three, three, three. Mm -hmm. Yep, indeed. Oh, we're in our thirties now. It sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) Maybe this is just me. Uh, I always have a a personal affection for any time that we get the thirty-three divisibles, like thirty-three, sixty-six, episode ninety-nine. Like I don't know. Hmm. It's something about my math number. Like that always seems significant, right? Same number divisible by three. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I also like any of the episodes that are divisibles of fifteen. Well, anything mm. divisible by five is nice. Anything divisible by five is nice. Yeah. Yep. I don't know why, but it is. Fingers. Nice. She got five hands. What? No. Five hands? <laughs> got five fingers. What? <laughs> what sort of eldritch abomination are you, Jessica? <laughs> and that's how you know it's been a long day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of those days, y'all, so prepare yourselves. So, uh, starting our recap with episode 31, which began with the Silver Ravens entering Hokum's Phantasmagorium. Ah, I love this place. I mm. love it. Yep. Um, which, uh, again, it just is a weird place. Like, ah, great. We all, we all, we all did think that have that thought though of like maybe this is going to be a legit place because like a lot yeah. of the like fantastical things actually do exist. But after exploring the entry area in the quote unquote hall of cryptids, uh, we were attacked by a trio of Girl what I think skullies. were supposed to be Sasquatches, if I remember correctly. Skunk apes. That's what they were built Skunk as. Apes, yes, yeah. and uh, we're we're attacking us, uh, but they're just like gorillas. <laughs> yeah, they were gorilla skellies. Mm-hmm. I noticed two things that I found really interesting here, which is one, because Jordan was saying this is a world of fantastical things, that they were basically taking fantastical things and just passing them off as other fantastical things. Yeah. Yes, it's like, oh, we've got some ninjas, but <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in this case, like gorillas, while they're not necessarily fantastical in Chiliax, they're incredibly rare. Like a yeah. gorilla by itself would be, or literally there's a mammoth skull in that room. Yeah, that's funny. It's like you have mammoths, yeah. but then you're going to say that it's a cyclops. You'd have to go far to the north to find a mammoth skull. The other thing I found interesting because it kept coming up was, uh, I think both in the Hall of Cryptids and also later on when you guys reach the Hall of the Sea, they keep calling things Arcadian. <laughs> They're like, Arcadia is far enough away that no one knows anything about it. nobody's going to know yeah. anything about it, right? Okay, I'm with I you I love now. a kitschy, touristy, trappy type of a quote-unquote <laughs> museum, <laughs> like... Mm-hmm. I try to go to them when I'm on vacation, especially in the mm-hmm. U.S. Because they're just—it's everything is fake and it's just fun. And World's good largest and ball of earwax. Yeah. Let's go. Yep, that's <laughs> disgusting. Let's go. <laughs> so yeah, you fought some Arcadian skunk apes, supposedly. I, I think I remember in that episode though, like there's like four murals, like four sets of like like the exhibits, and I think I remember saying like something like four, three or four of them actually do exist, as far as I know. I don't know about the. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, like they 100% exist. Cryptids, yeah. Only yeah. adventurers really run into them unless you live there. So I, I can see people being True. like, that's not real. 
Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. Woo! Two things I want to bring up. First off, the quick Google definition of cryptid is an animal whose existence is unsubstantiated. Hmm. Which is just kind of interesting, and I suppose kind of defines it. And mind you, you know, you're in a fantasy world, so they probably exclude or like extend that to like other creatures beyond animals. And I like that the first Google search result thing is, uh, is Godzilla a cryptid? No, he's a kaiju, <laughs> obviously. But are kaijus cryptids? No. Yeah. I feel like that's a different kind of. I don't think people think they're going to see a Godzilla sighting. You know, it's not like Nessie. Okay, so if you put Godzilla in a hot dog bun, is it a sandwich? Yes. <laughs> okay, yes. cool. I'm good with that then. <laughs> oh my. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Goodness. Taxonomy. Woo! But yes, uh, after the feat of the skunk ape skeletons, uh, we had moved the party along to the Hall of the Sea. Mm-hmm. That was a good sea. Or that was a good hall. Yeah. It's very interesting. It's very interesting, like being a coastal city or like you know peninsula or whatever the the deal is. You would think like they would be more aware of the sea, because like mm-hmm. you know people go out and go fishing or whatever. But like they just found a bunch of random stuff. They're like, yeah, nobody's ever seen this before, so sure. Yeah, I mean, why not? It had like ships in a bottle, which is rad. And then it had like those weird little kitschy fake like dead sailor uh, soul. Oh, the dead sailor things. souls thing or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so Rick, are those those are based on an actual thing, aren't they? The bottle dead sailor soul things. Yeah. Specifically, I don't know. In fact, they're actually not even the book. They gave me a minimum description for this room, so I just kept adding things. And I'd recently <laughs> read the uh, Lovecraft short story, The Terrible Old Man, which included bottles with sailor souls that had little vibrating strings in them. Somehow I knew it was going to come back to a short story of some kind. It was it I was all about it. the short it's story called short the Terrible story. the Terrible mm-hmm. Old Man. That is great. I took the thing about the the ship. sea, though, is yeah. it because it is so vast and and mysterious, you can pretty much make up whatever you want, and people don't really know. Who's yeah. to say that there isn't Arcadian mermaids? You know, I've never In seen Arcadia. one, but yeah, it kind of it kind of reminds me of uh, uh, the movie The Brotherhood of the Wolf when he first like is dining with the nobles and he shows them the fish that's covered in fur. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Some, you know, fantastical thing from the Americas. And it's like, he's like, no, I just taxidermied that thing. Like, it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> but they were all convinced. And that's kind of what I True. feel like this is. Maybe maybe not quite well, a it's, good quality. Uh, it's also <laughs> like, because you hear all of these crazy stories, probably relatively commonly from like yeah. sailors and adventurers that come through and stuff and bards tales of, of you know people fighting dragons and stuff like your barrier to believe something is really low because like sure why not like yeah there are giant <laughs> you know flying lizards that breathe fire or ice or acid and way out of proportion pathfinder tales are a published thing I mean That's it's true. like basically mm-hmm. a magazine and true. we all know they blow those out of proportion Except for that Fair. one issue, that one issue, that that one, no one can find. Oh, seriously. yeah, there's that one issue that they yeah. pulled all the copies of it and then, like, mm-hmm. have never released it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For some reason. Six? Volume yeah, six? Yeah, like, it was, a, it was an early one. I think it involved uh, Durvin. Yeah, Durvin guests, like, return yeah. from something. I'm, I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Anyway, yeah. yeah. I think other than Lucia, no one else tried to identify the Quad Claw Marauder either. Nah. Nope. No, and she actually. has no way of actually knowing what any of these are. I was are. more worried about the things trying to murder her, and, you know, we're on a time limit here, so. Sure. Well, and uh, interestingly enough, it ended up being, I think, I'm probably getting into the next episode now, but like a fake yeah. out twice. <laughs> because, yeah. Sure. yeah. Double fake out. 
Yep. So Quad Claw ended up not being a thing. No, no. For a second there, I thought I literally thought it was. So Rick, well played there because I was like, I, oh, I no. fully expected yes. it to be like because I kind of was having the feeling I was like, oh, there's gonna be a lot of undead stuff because this place has been neglected for so long. Quad mm. Claw is definitely gonna be some kind of like you know it's like undead Titan zombie or something. Sure, whatever, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah it's kind of something. Nope, and then it was mermaids. a total fake out. It's a red herring. Mm-hmm. Some Arcadian mermaids jumped out at you. Which are actually Nino, which are neat. <laughs> yeah, getting, yeah getting into episode 32, we were attacked by a pair of Ninos. Mm-hmm. I loved uh, Jessica's story on the fly about the Ninos. Oh, yeah, my bosun story. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty that was good. That's a good story. Yeah. The interesting thing, I think, about the Ninos as far as, like, because I think the Ninos, a lot of the creatures in here are kind of based off of uh, real-world cryptoid things. And that was a whole, uh, I can't remember where it was, that somebody took a, I think it was a monkey's monkey? body and then attached it to a fish tail and then oh. put it in like a formaldehyde jar and then yeah. like paraded it around as being some sort of mermaid thing. Mm. And that's basically what the Ninos are, are like monkey yeah. fish things. And so like calling them Arcadian mermaids, I think it's just playing further into that. This guy was a shyster. Some, <laughs> yeah. Somebody at Paizo looked at that and said, hmm, but what if they were real? What if they I love were? it. I'm here for it. <laughs> What if that was actually a thing? That's a lot. That's a lot of how the bestiaries of Paizo have been populated is looking at fantastical creatures from various cultures and going, but what if it was real? <laughs> yeah. And that's how you end up with a freaking Jersey devil. Krampus. Yeah, anyway. baby. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly how you get like Krampus statted out in a bestiary, you know? I want to fight Krampus anyway. As a side note, uh, the, the cryptoid creature that I've just recently stumbled across and uh, I need to do more research on, but interests me is the cactus cat. What? Rad. No, yeah. then you can't pet it. That, I mean, you can. It just is painful. Yep. You have to be very careful. You can't pet it. You can stroke it. You have to poke it in between yeah, the apparently spines. Apparently, it's like a cat that has, like, spines instead of fur. Aww. Oh, Ooh. it's like a hedgehog. Aww. I was going to say that, but it just sounds like a really hedgehog. different hedgehog. That is true. You just have to go just with the go. spines. Yeah. Yeah. The spines. yeah don't, don't go against the spines. That's the hurdy bit. <laughs> are they spines or quills? They I think they are out. technically quill. No, they, oh, I thought no they yeah, because they don't come out. No, I okay, had a hedgehog I guess I growing up. That. An albino hedgehog named Sonic. Oh, I'm getting confused with a porcupine. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> yeah, because yeah, porcupine have quills. That's my bad. Anyway, yeah. I just Anyways. threw that out there. Uh, do some research on our, on our own later. I might make a monster for it or something. Who knows? Get attacked <laughs> by some cactus cats. Arcadian cactus cats. Why does it have to be Arcadian? I feel like Arcadian is just going to be a template of it's from some faraway place. Like, everything's I feel like Zarastan's a better place at this point. Mm. I feel like I need to reach out to Luis and be like, what do you think about making a cactus cat? That feels I very say, Arcadian. Yes. <laughs> I feel like that would fit. We could we Make it an ancestry and I'm on board. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, well, my they gosh. have that spiny ancestry already. They've got the True. cactus leshies already, I think. So you and can you be, can a, be cactus a cactus cat leshy. leshy. Anyway. <laughs> we have Goodness. spun out. <laughs> yep. Back on the but subject. But following our uh, our fight with the Ninos, uh, we had moved into the insect zoo, mm. Mm -hmm. which had signs of a struggle that we didn't have to fight. True. Yep. Somebody actually went yep. in and fought the swarm that we probably would have had to fight. For once, it actually was some other adventuring group's problem. Yeah, and that <laughs> never happens, know. That's right? So like, rare. how many times do you go into a place and find it half explored by somebody who died in like room six? Never. Mm. I don't know if that happens, period. I think that happened in the first dungeon in Mummy's Mask that you yeah, guys got down there. Yeah, because we found like a dead person and we were oh, like, oh, no, no, you're right. No, in Mummy's Mask, it did happen. <laughs> yep. It's not that oh, often, though. Like, we've maybe <laughs> yeah. just got lucky a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we did move past the insect zoo since we didn't have to fight anything in there. 
to the mm-hmm. statue of Arodin, uh, which had mm-hmm. the fun little eyes that had the, uh, oh, the yeah, Aslanti cool. alphabet on them. That was cool. Yeah. That's probably I, how we get downstairs. Yeah. Probably. I do want to clarify something considering Jordan was making a like rotating his eyeballs gesture right there. That uh, again, as the statue was described, the chest is adorned with a carving of a winged eye, which is the holy symbol of Aradin, and it's the carving that is on his chest that rotates, not his little <laughs> oh, eye. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right. There might have been some confusion on that. I was I definitely apologize. doing a zoom and enhance motion <laughs> yeah. on armor. <laughs> That makes a lot more sense and a lot more accessible because I was like, how are these things like life size? Like, you have to like you reach out to get up. it. I just like the idea of just like, all right, Arden, just hold still, okay? I'm going to poke you in the eye. We're going to yep. get the code. Well, so I kind of thought of like if it was, if they were small, that it would be mm-hmm. kind of like, it makes sense because it's like, okay, you got to go up and adjust his eyes because you have to get close enough to know or whatever. But like, yeah, if it's just like on his chest, then okay. Yeah, it's his holy symbol. I understood it. <laughs> was it Dragon Age Inquisition? That had the skull shrine things that you had to look through, like yes. the glowing eye. Yeah, to do you had to look through the with. skulls. Oh. Okay. And find all the shards. Yeah, I was cool. there. It's like, I remember an eye related puzzle someplace. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. Well, there was the. That was a good uh, game. Kind of the puzzles in the, the rhyme game, too, where you had to, like, align it up. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there was a couple of eye ones in that, too. Good game, also. <laughs> but yeah. But yes, we had uh, then continued on to the a wax exhibit. Mm-hmm. Uh, which had then led into uh, a grisly recreation, I guess, of the Temple Hill Slasher. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was almost like a monument to the Temple Hill Slasher, but not really. It was just the horror section of the museum. Yeah. yeah. But it's like this one tiny room. Like, it's a well, really yeah. small room on the map. Like, it's well, weird. Well, didn't Rick say that the Temple Hill Slasher was really relevant when this place was made, so people yeah. would have wanted to come and gawk at that kind of it, thing? It wasn't, although um, notably, when this exhibit was created, it was probably approaching the one century mark, oh. like the 100 year anniversary. But I think Hokum had been alive? Hokum was or, old yeah. enough to have been alive back when the Temple Hill Slasher was hmm. there. And so, you know, this might have been a 100 year anniversary of the Temple Hill Slasher sl- slayings. I mean, we we all know that true crime is uh, big business. Yeah, yeah people like that. True. This is true. Uh, speaking of Hokum, real quick, did we ever actually like? I can't remember. Did we find out what actually happened to him? Is he still around, or is he just like, you know, did he die of old age? Did he just disappear? I think I think if I remember correctly, Vittoria said that he died a few years after uh, the Phantasmagorium went out of business. Mm. Yeah, because the Phantasmagorium closed twenty years ago. Oh, uh, okay. Basically because he couldn't, like, I think he was dodging taxes. <laughs> that that sounds like in line with the shyster yeah, kind of and then vibe. It, then it went up for basically auction from the city to cover the cost of the back taxes on it, at which point the Viticorus bought it. He should have bought yep. more smoke bombs. Sure. To cover the whole thing. Uh, yep. <laughs> Random smoke. literary reference, but it reminds me of the museum in the Diviners. Oh, that museum's rad. Mm-hmm. That's what it reminds me of. And no one else gets that reference. Good book, man. Go read though. Uh, Diviners is uh, fantastic. That's basically my life of no one getting my literary references. Anyway. Basically, yes. Well, sometimes we get them. It's just uh, like it doesn't flow. Like this one's rare. Flow. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll admit it. <laughs> I'm going to call myself out on that one. <laughs> oh, man. But um, past the gruesome exhibit to the Temple Hill Slasher, we had walked into the Hall of Historical Truths, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
which Very is interesting truthful. because it was actually like you know Osirian kind of stuff, and we were immediately attacked by zombies because of course we were. You know. Hey, yeah. I, for a second there, I was like, okay, if these are mummies, I swear to the Lord. Oh, I did think it was going to be a mummy for a second because <laughs> it's like if they were mummies, we'd be starting a new campaign right about yeah, now. Yeah, be like, well, right. guys, let's talk about our well, characters. and we flee. It just seems like something that the Asmodeans would do. It's like he's already dead. We just got to raise it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Asmodeans. But, you know, I guess he had a fake yeah. mummy in there anyway, so that all worked yeah. out well for us. They did have a but fake But we one. had all prepared to face off against it and then heard some prayers in the next room. I think we'd kill well, the zombies. Actually, you did face off. You defeated yeah. all the zombies before yeah. the... Yeah. Uh... We smacked those yeah. down. Oh, no, you're right. We did defeat all the zombies before we heard the prayers. Didn't take long, It was honestly. just a comedically yeah. easy encounter yeah. for y'all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because it's a rolling know. encounter, a surprise rolling encounter. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, which did uh, roll us into episode 33, where we fought the redactors. And they threw books, and it was rad. And, okay, like, I remember, I think I remember in that episode, like, I had Lucia just be like, what, is this your thing? Like, I thought it was a joke. Like, I thought they were just doing it one time, and then because they didn't have a ranged weapon, and they'd pull a knife, and they didn't. And I was like, this is the weirdest yeah. thing ever. It was very pathetic. <laughs> I remember... I did remember reading about them in uh, the Game Mastery Guide, I believe it is. Mm -hmm. um, because I remember looking up and it's like, there's an entry for librarian. What are my stats? And then I was like, like <laughs> huh. That's not uh, so great. It's not so great. I mean, admittedly, they're not designed for combat. They're supposed to help you with like research checks and stuff. But still, yeah. it was uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny because I was like, I remember reading that one specifically because of my <laughs> profession. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, getting into a little bit of mechanics here, actually, real quick. There is an interesting thing how second edition actually makes rolling encounters easier. Hmm. So I was following a thread. I think it was uh, Jason Bowman and um, all of the other designers were talking about doing multiple encounters at once. And they basically said with the way that the game is designed, especially if the encounters are somewhat broken up to give the party a, like a bit of a chance, even if it's only like a couple of seconds to recover between them, you can easily do up to 120 experience points worth of encounters because that's a difficult encounter, but still something the party is expected to be able to face. So even if you have three encounters that are each 40 experience, you can roll all three encounters together into one encounter to make it 120 points and just have a staggered arrival of the enemies. Mm. So basically there's now a mm. math equation that goes on behind the scenes that lets you know when a rolling encounter gets too far because if it goes above 160 then you're beyond like the most extreme levels of encounter it's interesting hmm. i found that very useful i'm now imagining them like running the numbers in an excel spreadsheet of like all the probabilities and everything they did to run the out. numbers and the that's actually what they've done yeah like i yeah. know that they've actually done that but it's just like so how many rolling encounters do you think we could do and it's like scrolls over to uh you know excel and somebody's just typing away furiously with numbers yeah because i've been doing a lot of like diving into the encounter design and all the rest of that stuff in second edition since i'm doing the conversion on it mm -hmm. and going into like how many fights can the party take consecutively? And it kind of keeps going back to the 120 experience points worth of stuff. Anyway, so I kind of, I love the encounter experience thing because it just kind of, it lets you map out the string of encounters that the party goes through. When the, you can press them on further or when you will need to let up or when you can stagger it out this way or that. Hmm. And so fortunately this upper level of this dungeon was kind of designed in such a way as to give you encounters on one side, and then encounters on another side. Mm. Yeah, it did a good job of like making sure we'd have enough time because I know we were even talking in like uh, episode 32 about like, do we even have 10 minutes to rest? Like how long are they going to attack? Yeah. But like from a meta perspective, like you've got to have a break to like heal up and then continue on. 
Well, yes and no. I'll get into that at another uh, time. Actually, no, in first edition, it would be a lot easier to heal because you have a lot mm. more access to magical healing. Yes, so. it's faster to heal in first edition. It's faster to heal, although you actually have access to more non-magical healing options in second edition. So Yeah, it just takes a lot longer. But yeah. it takes longer. Yeah. Yeah, Adria has been down at least a third of her hit points since the first mm. fight in this place, so I'm not feeling great. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's part say, of like the, think... the way this is designed is to like, we kind of have a, do we need to rush? Do we not need to rush? Like, we don't really know. Mm. So, I mean, we, we opted for going as fast as we could, so we didn't have time to really yeah. heal ourselves up. There's a lot of math on the back end, but don't need to get into that here. Fair but, enough. Uh, yeah, so we, we took on, uh, what is it, five redactors, if I'm remembering correctly, as mm -hmm. well as a priest of Asmodeus, so. who was the biggest surprise in that fight, because he immediately he surrendered. Well, he did as like for immediately Ralph. surrender. Well, not, Imme not immediately. Yeah, I mean, pretty quickly, though. He cast one spell, right? Like, I think he cast, like, magic weapon, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, I think you and Vittori each got a hit, and I think Cesare no, hit him with I a missed. spell. Oh, okay. Cesare whapped yeah, him with a, uh, an arrow, mm -hmm. an acid arrow. Yeah. Oh, uh, man, persistent damage and 2e killer. I was about to say the power mm -hmm. attack, I think, did hit, though. Lucia got a critical in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you took him from full health down to a quarter of his hit points before he could wow. react because despite the fact you guys were just rolling great yeah yeah i was expecting there to be like a round or two before he goes down especially because he has like some cool abilities but i didn't really get a chance to utilize them so much as i think he ran in smacked vittoria over the head and then immediately got beaten down with the redactors i think all of us were like okay they're not a massive threat but like a new priest walking out we're like oh that's a big threat so like all of us turn to attack well, and he also had at least one glowing weapon, too, which is usually a bad sign. I yeah, think. glowing weapons in two ear. Unnaturally glowing weapons. You know, if he had a torch, yeah. I guess that would have been, like, normal. I got to do my cool shark spell, which isn't a shark spell. Feral That shades. was a pretty nifty spell. That was a cool I like spell. that one. Very on Spells are neat on the primal list. They're neat on all the lists, but I've been mostly yeah. looking at the primal one. Yeah, but that had uh, presented some problems as uh, we had to figure out what the heck to do with him since he, we did not expect them to surrender. Well, the redactors got knocked unconscious, but um, well, some of them, some actually, of them did die. But yeah, well, some of them died. Some of them went unconscious, and then we had uh, you know the priest just like, "I surrender, and let's yes. negotiate for my release." Like a coward. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally, hundred percent a coward. Mm. Again, it defines in here that he is a coward at heart. <laughs> he and Brad Vickers have much in common. Again, I but, think it was, uh, I think it came out somewhere in that episode though, but it does. It is that uh, uh, if any redactors still live, they immediately attempt to kill him rather than risk him betraying the church. If I had known yeah. that, I would have let them do it because that sounds so funny. There's something really funny about them wandering over, like starting to throw books at him instead of us. But you know, alas, yeah. I don't know if I would have yeah. let it, but it is funny. Well, I mean, in general, the idea of them throwing books at us was just kind of a funny Those books setup. Hurt. But those books yeah. were doing like dagger damage, man. That was well, crazy. Well, they were like they were just rolling well, I think, on their damage because those books hurt. Yeah, I'm unhappy. Well, and about everything it. does dagger damage. Yeah. Oh yeah, I yeah. guess D four is minimum now. Yeah, but it was it mm. was hurty. A D four is a lot, still D four you to death. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the non lethal damage that the books do, it's a little harder. Well, they wanted us alive so they could sacrifice to Asmodeus later. Come on, why waste good bodies? That's true. I mean, I don't think they were going to do much of anything because I don't think they were priests. But yeah, the guy could have for sure. Oh, good point. Yeah, they were like lay, I guess, maybe not even lay priests. They're priests like lowercase p, not priest capital P. 
it'd be more accurate to refer to them as monks in the traditional mm. sense of like a monastic order monks, not a as opposed to martial order I kick monks. people in the face monk. Yeah, it just yes. gets confusing either way you go <laughs> yeah. with those. Should have had them. Well, most of them were ladies, so they could have all just been nuns. But anyway, you could have battle uh, nuns though. Fair. Mm. But, uh, we did I love yeah. battle nuns. That's I a fun idea. That. Yeah, sisters of battle. That's, Sister Teresa is here for revenge. That is probably something that Asmodeans have. Let's be serious for a I second. I mean, isn't here. there like the sisters of Aranes? The sisterhood of the Golden Aranes. Yep. Golden Aranes. I don't know if you'd call them nuns, but still, you know, uh, could potentially. Uh, I don't know. We'll get into the details on all of that. Yeah, but then you guys got a chance to speak with uh, Avernathy. I keep wanting to say Avernathy. It's Asvernathy. Asvernathy. Yeah, who mm. uh, who did that thing where he tries to like negotiate and gives a little but keeps some back and we had to yeah. agonize over what to do with him. Is he too dangerous to be kept alive? So on and so forth. Decided that we would uh, stash him in a closet. Um, he did give us now. some <laughs> information. I'm mm. not sure how useful it was. I think Lucia's tactic was a good one um, that you did when uh, y'all were putting him in the closet where it was like, no one will believe you. Yeah. Seed of doubt. Well, it's the like they're the the priests of lying. The worst part and the best part about being in there is you just have to assume everybody's lying. So like, why would mm. they believe this guy that they don't like anyway? No honor amongst thieves. Well, the best thing I can do is sow a little doubt and hope that he just says, "Oh, that's a really good point." They're not going to believe me whatsoever. Bye. The only thing we really have going with us for us with him is that nobody in the church likes him. If he was a priest with better standing. It might be a more of a yeah. problem, yeah. I try my best to play up the the reasons that no one likes him, which is mostly because he's kind of sniveling and pompous. Yeah, we we definitely got that. <laughs> I was gonna say it's hard to be sniveling and pompous at the same time. Like those are usually mm -hmm. like two opposite character yeah. traits. I just like that we all took we all took turns going shush you, like <laughs> yeah. quiet you. <laughs> yep. Regardless, you will all have to figure out exactly what you're going to be doing uh, in the next episode because you know, mm -hmm. as for Nathy is still whistling the hymn of Asmodeus to himself inside of a closet back there. And we do need to find a way downstairs. There was a larger, sadder revelation at the end of that episode, though. Yeah, so yeah. The, the the episode ends with uh, us discovering that two of the zombies that we fought and defeated were wearing signet rings of House Viticora yeah. and thus were Rex's parents. Yeah. So our hope that we may have found his mother... Nope. Dashed. Yeah. I mean, technically yeah. we found her, but yes. Well, yes. Not the way we were hoping, right? Yeah, we, we were hoping to have a, a nice little reunion there and give Rexus some hope, and that didn't pan out. Yeah. Yep. So moving on to some emails, we have got two emails. Our okay. first email comes from Jacopo in Opara Taldor. Jacopo? Oh, okay, cool. Jacopo. Choose whether or not to keep this, but that's... Adria's husband's name. Oh, really? Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's right. Yep. He is Jacopo, isn't he? Uh, yeah. Yep. I was Jacopo like, how do I not pronounce this so easily? That makes sense. Okay. Hmm. Um, so, Jacopo writes, Hello, Pathfinders. My uh, name is hello. Jacopo, and I'm from Milan, Italy. Or, uh, uh, let's say post-Eutropia Opara, after decades of immobility and decadence, in about 10 years, we've become an international dynamic city and still the capital of the world of fashion. So, yeah, Opara. Okay. Hey, there nice. you go. There you go. I like it. I understand it is a beautiful city. I've always wanted to see it. Yep. yep. Never been. The parts of Italy that Jess and I have seen have been amazing. Yeah. It's true. Did you guys get anywhere near Milan? No. No, we didn't go to Milan. Mostly Rome. Right. And then, you know, the south. 
Yeah. Way south. So Jacopo continues, thanks to the lockdown we experienced in Italy, combined with some mm. subsequent solo trips around Italy, I was able to listen to almost all the episodes of your shows. Oh, wow. I waited to write to you until I was reconfirmed as an elementary school teacher, and as a result, I'm able to fund you through your Patreon. Thank you. Thank you. so sweet. Also, teaching, very important. Good on you. Absolutely. We love the teachers here. Yep. Uh, Yakpo continues, I also work as an actor and acting teacher in Milan and began playing (laughs) RPGs with third edition, immediately becoming the forever GM in every group. (laughs) I know that experience. Yes, but you like it. (laughs) I like it, but also I started, well, I started with AD&D, but uh, mm. third edition is where I really cut my teeth. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he continues, I have been playing Pathfinder since the first beta, which I used to convert Age of Worms. Hey, oh. Wow. Ross and uh, Heather and I started in the first beta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved Pathfinder so much that I worked as a translator and supervisor for the Italian version for seven year- hey. for several years. Wow. Until oh, I had wow. to focus myself on my work in theater. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I recently started translating again, and I'm supervising and translating the Blue Rose AGE line of products. Cool. That is cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Thanks to the lockdown, I I created a Twitch channel dedicated to RPGs called D's Dungeon, where we play more, (laughs) let's say, less mainstream titles, such as Blue Rose AGE, Predation, Mm. and Numenera. Hey, uh, Numenera we tried Numenera. We have tried Numenera. Mouse Guard RPG Mouse and Thirsty cool. Sword Lesbians. Try it. <laughs> wow. It's a riot. I'm cool. I'm down for Thirsty Sword Lesbians as a Isn't Patreon Isn't there also a podcast goal. called Thirsty Sword Lesbians? I think there Wait, is, is, is there? yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I said lesbians like that. Lesbians. Lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> Thespians, I guess, maybe was what I was thinking about. Thespian, lesbians. Yes. Despite this, I still try to play Pathfinder, and though time is not very abundant, I managed to juggle two groups. That's That's a lot. Yeah, Yeah. that's pretty good. (laughs) Takes a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm GMing Age of Ashes for the first one, though the recent birth of a child to one of the players and an erratic schedule makes our sessions short and random, where the group is composed of a clean-shaven, clan-daggerless dwarf cleric of Shalin who fled the city of Kavlar with his pregnant girlfriend, a democracy Ooh. proselytizing Ooh. bard who's secretly a steel falcon from Andorin, and a awesome. shy and awkward halfling teenager from Augustana who's becoming one of the most powerful wizards in Izgir. Love. Cool. <laughs> nice. All right. It's a cool mix. I, like I do that. love a halfling wizard. Oh, yeah. It's true. I mean, I love halfling anything. <laughs> mm. The second one, or the one with the kids, the oldest player is 23, and I met all of them online, is <laughs> set in a pre-reboot Ravenloft, Yes, I converted the setting awesome. and all of the game mechanics to Pathfinder 2E, wow. set in Nova Vasa, wow. full of intrigue and dark fae. What That's I'm hearing cool. is that this uh, the, this person, Yakpo, has mad skills. Yeah, yeah. Totally, yeah. mad skills Are you on for our sure. Discord? Because you could pick up another group or two, or you could play. <laughs> or 12. <laughs> you could actually play. I think they even run GM-only games. They're like, you can only mm-hmm. join this if you GM a group somewhere so that you get a chance to oh, play. Oh, so that it's yeah. all GMs and the one person GMing for all the GMs? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. smart. That's funny. Yeah, that's that nice. Is very, that's nice very smart. There. Fun uh, trivia thing. The first ever Dungeons & Dragons game I played, which was AD&D, was actually a Ravenloft campaign. Hey. Oh. Hey, cool. nice. So, yeah, my character got lost in the, the mist and ended up in Ravenloft. So I mean this uh, all makes sense because cool. Ravenloft has like creepy horror vibes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mad yep. vibes. Jacopo continues, but no more about me. Let's talk about you. Yeah. All right. If we uh, must okay. you if you have to. Oh, oh he has to. Fair enough. Enough about me. Let's talk about you for a minute. <laughs> Thank you. We work hard. Your podcast <laughs> I'm is gonna preface it. <laughs> 
Yakpo continues, your podcast is head and shoulders above others dedicated to RPG in general and Pathfinder in particular and makes the commute and a car trip I took this summer all around Sicily a pleasure. Mm. Oh, I'm so jealous nice. of your life. I want to just drive around <laughs> Italy. I'm turning that right back around on you. He's, he says, I discovered you with Mummy's Mask and I started listening with joy to Hell's Rebels. I can't wait to read the conversion and catch up to Tyrant's Grasp. Mm. Being Italian and knowing the Latin-Italian inspiration of Cantargo and Chalaxian names and languages, I was afraid I might hear a bit of what we call the It's a Me Mario effect. <laughs> I do apologize just right now. It I'm sorry. I think he's about to say, but that's not what happened. But I am very happy you are being respectful, and I did not expect anything try, less. Kudos. But it's still bad. So First time I've ever actually looked up on YouTube voice uh, accent tips. Mm. on how to do Me too, a, I had uh, to figure proper, out how to be a New Yorker. Well, proper Italian was what I looked at first, but then oh. yeah, following... Uh, I decided not to try to butcher Italian because that was not going to go well for me. I did try <laughs> Italian first before I decided on uh, be, uh, matching with Adria because yeah, I, uh, I liked it American better. Dialect, <laughs> it was easier to do. I stumble through it. I try my best. I work hard, like Jess said. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> we worked hard. No, it, it sounds like it's coming out in the in the thing too, because I yeah. mean, that's the thing. Is that was a good compliment? I was gonna say. I mean, if somebody who's Italian said we're not we're not butchering it, I'd say that's a win. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because yeah, I'm definitely not a native Italian speaker for sure. Oh, gosh, <laughs> like no. not yeah. even close. Nope. Jacopo continues, I have long thought about starting a role-playing podcast. I have a couple of free awesome. hours between 1 a.m. and 6 a.m. after all. Oh, Smiley face. <laughs> My <laughs> lord, sir. So, like Rick. Like Rick. <laughs> yeah. Sleep is for the week. <laughs> and my concern is always post-production. Your podcasts are free mm. of the um and uh typical of a gaming table and other podcasts. And I thought, they must have a software that eliminates noise. Do they use <laughs> an AI? OMG. Then no, I realized your AI Rick. must be called Rick. Congratulations <laughs> on your dedication. Yes, Rick's yeah. actually an Android. We try not to let that out too much, but he only has to charge a few hours a night. Yeah, we That's found right. him actually in a pod in uh, Numeria, so it was pretty <laughs> pretty random happenstance there. But it's got one of Goodness. those lightning chargers, and unfortunately, cats keep chewing through the cables, but because oh, they only go for the expensive ones, they really of do. Course. Really, the, the irreplaceable ones, because we only found like mm -hmm. a couple of those. Sure. <laughs> no, it, it is a lot of work, but uh, podcasting is a lot of fun, and uh, and delivering on the best audio that we can, I think, is something that uh, the people always seem to appreciate, and I'm glad that the hard work goes recognized. While there are some semi-autonomous things that you can do to clean up audio and stuff, yeah. a lot of what Rick does is manual. Mm. So, like, mm -hmm. removing the uhs and ums that we have, that is 100% manual. Or the likes. As many as I can manage. Rick knows this, but I am really bad about putting a lot of filler words before I start a sentence. So, like, um, I think we should do this tactic is, like, one of the things that I say a lot. And Rick has to cut, like, all the time when I do a bunch of filler words in front. So, like, we all have kind of our verbal ticks. Ticks. He, he's told he us all to what our ticks are. And now we're all self-conscious and aware. Mm -hmm. But we try <laughs> to work it's on true. it. I'm very self-conscious of mine. One of the tricks is making sure that you have a group that is willing to work with you as far as putting forth the effort. And fortunately, I do. Yeah, so I like to think that we have gotten better over how long we've been doing this? About three years and some change now? Uh, I think you it's have. four. I don't know if the audience will really notice it. It just makes it easier on my workload. <laughs> I, I like the idea that the audience won't notice it because you just have to edit less now. <laughs> as an editor, if the audience notices, I've failed. So it should seem seamless. So one way of looking at it. So Jacopo continues, 
Rick, you are a great GM, and your voice is like hot chocolate in winter time. <laughs> wow. Oh, brand new sentence. That is, brand new sentence. That but, is that's um, quite a nice compliment. compliment. Can we yeah, put that on nice. his like autobiography line mm-hmm. on the page, please? <laughs> <laughs> voice like hot chocolate in winter. I like I, that. I love the mm-hmm. idea that we take all of this praise and stuff, and we boil it down into like the little quotable things, like you do a product. Like on the back of a book. Yeah. Yeah, or like the back of a book, like reviews. Where Recommendations it's like, and reviews. Voice is yeah. like hot chocolate in winter time rick sandage yeah (laughs) marshmallows Mm. oh my gosh (laughs) i love the way you manage to create distinct characters without overacting a major problem with other podcasts in my opinion i mean having the acting experience that's again hey nice thank you it's mostly just me trying to avoid any accents that i would find annoying to edit at a later time so yeah, why I was say, we have a strict this. no overdubbing policy, so we don't go back and just, he, he doesn't just overdub yeah. stuff or anything like that. I'm not just trying to pull a Sespinar every time an imp shows up or something. Aww, as Sespinar. good as Sespinar was, I don't want to just be like, Sespinar gladly serves the great one. <laughs> I don't know, I'd listen <laughs> to it. Pleasant. I was going to say, there's a lot of those kind of like, uh, <laughs> uh, of those things that like, it sounds it sounded great when they recorded it, and then after you heard it for the for 300th time, you're like, why did they put this in this game? Uh Frostborn Hungers, if I hear that one more time, I swear to God. <laughs> yes, exactly. That or uh, so I kicked him in the head until he was dead. That's uh-huh. another one. That yeah. one drove me nuts. That's from Baldur's Gate when you're fighting the mm. bandits. They just keep going. So I kicked him in the head until he was dead. Uh-huh. I think that's actually the only line of recorded dial- audio dialogue they have. So they say <laughs> it over every time you click on them, every time they attack. It's ridiculous. Goodness. I can't remember if they're the ones that said, uh, and this one time at bandit camp. Oh no! <laughs> Why? It might be them that also that says that. That is such Why? a '90s reference. Too. That is an amazing I think those reference. might be the ones <laughs> in Baldur's Gate too. I don't think the ones in Baldur's Gate one say that. I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> anyway. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Any hoozles? Jacopo continues. Heather, I love the deadpan your characters have, and I warn you, you have a very serious responsibility. In Age Uh-oh. of Ashes, Uh-oh. minor spoiler, characters gained very easy access to post-independence Cantargo, and my players went there when they needed to buy Plane Shift, which is an uncommon spell, for the wizard's spellbook. I thought about who they could turn to, ah! someone famous <laughs> and powerful enough to know the spell, and I obviously thought of Cesare. Oh, hey. man. Heather, Cesare go. is now canon in my campaigns. <laughs> Be very nice. careful and keep him alive until the end. Rick, you can't kill him now. He's unkillable. Look, it's canon. Look. No, he doesn't He's believe canon. Canon. He's, He's, canon. He's unkillable. There's just some other wizard now. named Cesare. <laughs> yeah. You just, like, roll up with your backup character, Cesare. Daybloom. <laughs> <laughs> Hide behind the pile of dead Cesare. And oh his my God. Nose. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, Some goodness. other bird name. Second character is Caesar. And then oh the third gosh. one is Cesare. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. That being said, Heather, how does it feel to know that uh, Cesare exists in a gaming group in Milan, Italy? It's very humbling and <laughs> awesome at the same time. I'm like, that's right? pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> yep. Jessica, a mother Uh-oh. hen in the group is always a must-have, and you fill yes. the role with grace. You awesome. are a perfect counterbalance to the rest of the party, keeping their common sense. We need that, y'all. <laughs> I've not heard this before, but this is a I nice thing. Say, I'm, I'm not used to Jessica being the common sense. I know, right? <laughs> I like to be wild in games. That's the I know. fun for me. <laughs> we, yeah. Having gamed with you over the years, I've learned this about you. <laughs> it's fun to be Jess is very much chaotic in her... Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was purposefully trying to be nice in this one. Yeah. 
We all like so. to stretch ourselves, and Jess yeah. stretched, her, stretched herself by having self-control. <laughs> <laughs> self-control. Oh, man. Oh, man. Jacopo continues, Jordan! Please don't lose the uncontrollable laughter that makes my car speakers crackle and I'm sure forces post-production to use a lot of noise reduction. Nice. I can't help it. I laugh really loud and raucously. Like, I'm just a raucous laugher. You haven't. You haven't even heard the man sneeze. Y'all. Oh, oh yeah, oh, and my, my sneezes are legendarily loud. I'm sure Rick edits those out if it ever happens. Yeah. It's, it's the hard Yeah, nobody wants to hear kind. me sneeze. No, you don't want to hear him sneeze. A lot of times when it is a, a Jordan-heavy laugh track, which you can usually tell just by watching the waveforms before I start editing, I'll run a double <laughs> compression, which brings yeah. the, the levels down a great deal. Yeah. So Yes, because, uh, yeah, I, I routinely peek out the mic when I laugh, and that is me not even looking, like, not even talking into the mic. That is me looking at the sky <laughs> and laughing, so. As an interesting side note, second loudest laughter, Heather. Really? Oh, huh. Really? Yep. I didn't know I would that. not have called that. Very neat. When Heather gets into a full cackling laugh, then it gets really loud. <laughs> but she goes from the cackle to like the silent can't breathe laugh and I love it. Sure. <laughs> oh yes, yes. That's that hyperventilating noise. <laughs> it, it's like when we think we've killed Ross because he just keeps laughing. Well then you're crying because you're laughing and like yes. your eyes are betraying oh, yeah, you. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, then it gets messy. Ross like the, the muffled laughter when it really kicks in because Ross will bury it. Like he looks down and buries his face <laughs> like this the entire time. <laughs> Yeah. No, eventually I'll stop being able to breathe and I'm about mm. to die because oxygen, you know, but it's okay. I'll have to call someone yep. that's in your house to check on you. <laughs> that's when you know the joke really landed is when Heather starts to <laughs> not be able to breathe. Hyperfinally. <laughs> yes. Oh, goodness. All right. Jacopo continues. Rachel, I deeply love Vittoria and the fact that everyone makes an effort not to call her Vic Victoria. There's a capital Victoria C. Versus Victoria. Well, Victoria, oh, yeah. Victoria. Victoria versus Victoria. Victoria yeah. versus Victoria. Victoria versus Victoria. Yeah. I've, I've done that accidentally, I know. I, I'm, I'm sure I've done we've it probably myself, done it. but it's my character. I was going to say, I think we've done it a couple of times. Um, mm. I think I've gotten all of those out in edits, but I think Yay. because most people register when it happens and then we correct it. Yeah. Yes. And your characters in general. I don't know if you knew what you decided for the Scordato surname, but in addition to Forgotten, Scordato can also be said of a musical instrument to indicate that it is out of tune. Questo huh. violino e scordato, this violin's out of tune. I actually huh. did know that, and it, it was partially intentional. I apologize to all of Italy for butchering the Italian. Yeah. Because yeah. Vittoria is a little out of tune. I mean, she does it her she own way. She's, yeah. yeah, she kind of just dances to her own tune. And it's not the same as everyone else's, that's for sure. I look forward to the inevitable Silver Ravens karaoke night. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Lucia's down, man. Let's make a full production of it. Living in the material world, I am the material girl. <laughs> yep. Raven will sing, Cesare won't. Victoria <laughs> is probably down with some Amanda Palmer. Patreon stretch goal. There you go. <laughs> Little coin operated boy. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jacopo continues Ross, what you are doing with Niccolo is fantastic. Thank you. Seeing a rogue played with a focus on strength and force is very interesting. I'm sure all the listeners are like Raven with a bit of a crush on the brawniest tiefling in Kentargo. <laughs> oh, dear. Never stop wrestling alligators. Yes. yes. I'll try my best, but uh, I, 
I hope we don't run into too many more alligators. Oh my god, we could befriend them, and then you could like legit wrestle them and not have to try to murder mm, them. You know, like it would yeah. be like you're actually wrestling. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Like I need you to set up a wrestling league. Um, yeah. <laughs> we can charge admission for people to watch you wrestle the alligator. Yes, come down into the wasp's oh, nest boy. where you can watch Nicolo wrestle an alligator. And we'll set up a bake sale to raise funds oh, <laughs> for our inevitable rebellion. Well, you know, it's happening. The rebellion will not be televised. The rebellion will be funded by baked goods. The and rebellion wrestling. will be an audio play. Oh, yeah. that too. Jacopo wraps up. Sorry for the wall of text. I hope to listen to your podcast for a long time and hear more wonderful campaigns being played by your wonderful group. Jacopo. Awesome. Well, thank you. We're sneaking up on the end of uh, Mummy's Mess, so there may be a new story to hear soon. Soon-ish. Soon being a relative term. Though maybe yeah, by the time you listen to this, who knows? I, mean, I don't know yeah, when you're listening to this. Depends. All right. So our second email is from James from Orange County, California. Hello, James. Hey, James. Hello. Where would Orange Hello, County be? We need somewhere like California. nice and beachy. Nice, mm. beachy. Temperate weather. Yeah, temperate weather. Mm. Some palm trees. Mm. Mm. I was thinking like uh, whatever Sargava became. Viridia? Oh, um. That's what this yes. very jungly. Vidria. It is, but I was just thinking beach. beach? I don't, there's not a lot of tropical beaches that I. Oh, no, that doesn't have a name. I was like the island from the beginning of Serpent Skull, but that would be a silly thing. What? No. <laughs> and there were cannibals. Also, yeah. I don't know if you want to make them from yeah. Sandpoint either. No. Well, that didn't re- that's not a beach town. Yeah, it's mm. Oceanside. I mean, it's Oceanside. Mean, doesn't yeah. um, Magnamar face the sea as well? Magnamar does face the sea. How about Magnamar? Magnamar, Magnamar is yeah, I don't know okay. when the last plan we put so many Magnamar was. The City I, of Monuments. Uh, so James from Magnamar writes, Hi there, Silver Ravens. Hello. This is James Hello. from Orange County, California. I found your podcast while looking for Hell's Rebels podcasts. I'm currently running the Age of Ashes AP, which has a chapter mm. set in Cantargo. I was looking for some inspiration <laughs> ah, on how cool. to bring the city to life. Well, Man, Age go. of Ashes is doing us more, more favors with getting people Thanks, Age of Ashes. Yeah, Thanks, thank Age of Ashes. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I kind of want to play Age of Ashes now. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, mm. yeah. Remind me to include a comment of the description for this episode that there are minor spoilers for Age of Ashes and mm, that you go yeah. to a city. I mean, yeah, I don't know if that's much of a spoiler, but it's, sure. It's it's a minor one. Minor yeah. spoiler. Uh, so James continues, I wasn't sure what to make of you after episode one, but I've really come around and you're one of the top shows now. You have a awesome. smooth narrative style that does a great job of making it more performance and less dice rolls and arguing about rules. Top marks for role playing synergy. Well, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Our usual we disclaimer, our we were an actual gaming group before we were a podcast. So. Thank you, we work hard. true. Thank you, we work hard to work well together. <laughs> but uh, James continues, so I have a question regarding role-playing that I believe you all would be experts to answer. As a GM, I usually have a rule that whoever is controlling a creature gets to describe the cause, while whoever is on the receiving end gets to describe the effect. For example, DM. The Hell Knight advances and swings his greatsword. Rolls a nat 20. Player, I duck under the blade before advancing for a strike, but the Hell Knight catches my forehead with his backswing and blood starts pouring down my face. Hmm. However, after listening to your podcast and a lot of others, it seems mine is a minority or a unique position. Hmm. So my question is this. How do you as a GM know where the boundaries are in describing how APC acts or reacts? That's uh, a good question. So I as a GM... In essence, as long as I'm not taking an action for that character. 
So for instance, if Jordan says, I want to stride up next to the Hell Knight and I stab at him and then starts rolling, I'll say, Lucia rushes forward, ducks past Adria, slides forward and then thrusts ahead with her weapon. It's just kind of a descriptor, but it's all Jordan's mm-hmm. action choices. I would never just say, okay, yeah, if Jessica, for instance, said, Adria walks in and looks at the room, and then I go, okay, you walk in, you look at the room, you see that there's a chest, you open up the chest, make a reflex save because there's an explosion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because now you're implying an action for them. Mm-hmm. So it should all be descriptive text, and there shouldn't be, in essence, any anything that streams from that that is not part of their action. So, for instance, if there was a trap in there that triggered with Jessica walking in, that trap yeah, would, of course, different. immediately trigger because she has decided to walk into the room. Yeah, and of course, it's okay for the player to say, you know, if it's like descriptive text, and the player's like, no, no, actually what I do is this thing. Like, that's fine. Yeah. It's and as a player... To make a joke. <laughs> yeah. And as a player, I actually tend to fall a little bit more into the category of what you're talking about, where Ross does a, a lot of the same thing as well, where I'll say, okay, this person hits... Nicolo or hits Ross's character and then Ross is off to the side like after you hit he's like <coughs> oh that hurt okay and just kind of role plays through it or be like you know Nicolo like spits a glob of blood off to the side before mm. rushing back into the fight etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah yeah I would say it, from playing with a with a couple of different groups not just this group it really depends on your group and kind of your dynamics because mm-hmm. like there are no hard and fast rules on on how no. you interact with it absolutely not the way that we we do it is you know like we said we take our actions and then Rick basically describes it either more flavorfully or what the consequences are of those actions but I know a lot of a lot of groups maybe ones that aren't as serious as we are might be like haha I totally go jump on this wing and you know haha means okay I'm just making a joke and versus like actually doing an action some people are real sticklers and if you say you do something they do not give you a chance to take it back you went and did that action you know so it depends on your play style what your group likes and what the kind of dynamic is at the table Hmm. yeah Rick is just way better at describing combat on the fly than I am like I have to really think about it so while I can improv pretty well for like role playing I just let Rick describe the combat and stuff because he's much better at it and it sounds much better why I I mean I just let him do it so I don't have to struggle (laughs) Rick knows all the big words If you're looking for good uh, phrases and everything to use for combat, I highly suggest the Dritt Stewarden series mm. or any of Ari Salvatore's stuff. Yeah, he's very good at writing combat scenes. Yeah, yeah. so you can just jump in there and he's uh, it's phenomenal. That or any yeah. of the, uh, you have to deal with the controversy that surrounds it, but any of Robert E. Howard's Conan material, mm. like the combat is described extraordinarily well, even if it's a giant male power fantasy trip. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. But well written. So. Um. One thing I do, I don't know if I do this often, but I like to do it when I get a chance, is if I completely fumble a roll, like I just, you know, like just completely <laughs> trash it. it. Yeah, I like to just be like, ah, ha, ha, no, I dropped the rock. Uh oh, that's my foot. That really hurt. You know, that sort of thing, just because. Yeah. I really like enjoying the fails. That's fun. Like being yeah. like, oh no, mm-hmm. I was distracted and I was looking like, at. Whoa, this whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. You know, like slipping on the floor. So hopefully somewhere in there we answered the question. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> uh, James finishes his email saying, thanks for any thoughts you can share. Keep up the great work. I'll be listening. James. Well, thank you, James. Well, thank, thank you, James. You. Thank you for writing in, James. Put one Absolutely. of our characters in your campaign. 
Like Oh my god, Jordan. <laughs> you can't just Jordan's ask. fishing now. I need Cesare to be running like multiple magic schools at, at once. Like he's just tired oh, you think all the time. He would, yeah, no, he'd have one, maybe. If he's even I mean, doing that when the rebellion is In the over. multiverse. Like it's a multiversal <laughs> thing. I don't think he loves the school so much. That's just like a job that he does. Yeah, I was like, that well, very yeah, much feels but... like Cesare's job, not Cesare not Cesare's <laughs> career. There's there's a whole question in there about what does Cesare do after we've taken down Vacation Rune and all that. Vacation. <laughs> Always we, be okay, so here's what we're going to do. It's going to be book six. We're going to finish this, and we're going to have our finally have our beach episode. Yes. 300 oh, episodes. episodes. Always the best. <laughs> All right. I guess I got to get Nicolo Speedo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. And an alligator floaty. Raven might oh, just yes. die. Yes. Alligator and an float. Alligator float. Oh, I love that. I love it's it. amazing. Yep. All right. I look forward to the beach karaoke night. Woo! Uh, you can do karaoke at beach bars for sure. Beach karaoke, yeah. sure. All right, this yeah. sounds like a great epilogue, okay. and it should happen. Let's do it. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. We should live so, stream it. Anyway. No. Oh God. It's time for some casting of some devil Ooh. lords. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Wrong. So Rick has pre-selected one, which means I get to read the description for the first time ever in the history of ever. Ooh. I think we're Ooh. just going down the circles, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. You've I gone get to first, read it, second, though, so that third. makes it special. <laughs> okay, on the fourth. Also, Heather got to read it last time, but I'm sorry if that mm. doesn't make you feel special, because I actually wrote I it mean, out last time for Heather, I mean, getting to read it makes too. me feel special, so there's at least yeah, there that. there you go. That's yeah, all you need. There you go. So we're going to be casting the Lord of the Fourth Circle of Hell, the Archdevil Ooh. Belial. Oh, Belial. The Pale uh, Kiss, the Archdevil of Adultery, Deception, and Desire. Okay, so They a embody sexy boy. hedonism and base desires hidden behind a mask of genteel respectability. They encourage hmm. others to seek forbidden pleasures in all forms, but demand they never become too attached to a lover or project. They rule over the fourth level of hell, the burning forges of Phlegathon. It is within these infernal forges that souls are melted down amidst the clang of hammers and the stench of burning flesh. Once purified of weakness and rebellion, these souls are recast into the forms of true devils. Belial, as the archdevil and master of this lair, decides what devils rise out of the soul forges. Asmodeus granted Belial an unlimited malleability of form, and so their true natural form is unknown to all but Asmodeus. They freely shift appearance, species, and gender when engaging with mortal and immortal lovers across the universe, enabling them to become whatever and whomever might be most alluring to their lovers, leaving mm. innumerable half-fiends of every description in their wake. <laughs> I love it. Wow, Among the other right, archdevils, Belial typically appears as a delicately built humanoid between five and six feet tall, with pale skin and hair but burning eyes, with one half of their body shining and angelic and the other as scarred, misshapen, and grotesque as the most hideous Malabranch. I've got it. I'm ready. I remember this one. Oh my gosh, I need a pretty boy. Oh my gosh, I need a pretty boy. <laughs> Don't we all, Jordan? Don't we all? <laughs> I mean, I kind of have a pretty boy, so I'm good. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, um, all right, I'm thinking... Somebody who is like, first off, you got to be pretty, right? Mm -hmm. If this is going to be like the, you know, all about debauchery and all of that stuff. So I'm going to go with Elliot Fletcher, huh. who mm -hmm. is uh, best known maybe for being on Shameless, which is a train wreck of a show if you ever see it. Which, <laughs> Fair enough. which person is he on Shameless? He's also in Why the Last Man. He's apparently in World of Warcraft Shadowlands as a voice. I really needed you to tell me about Shameless, please. Trevor. Oh, the boyfriend. He also played Goku in the Dragon Ball Z movie, right? Oh my god, oh. wait, did he? Hang like on, the live action this? one? The live wait, action no, one. no, 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 no,
Uh, let's see. He was also on. Oh, okay. This is not who I thought this was at all. I'm not gonna lie. I, 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 don't, I don't see I think he's good with some angel wings. I'm just saying. Okay. You do you. Yep. Right. You know me. I like to do a weird casting. Yeah, that okay. you did. Heather would be the next in rotation. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to go with uh, Timothy Ch- Chalamet. No, no, Heather, you can't have Timothy <laughs> Chalamet. Oh, Timothy Chalamet. Yes, yeah. he's in. Oh, that's a pretty boy right there. He's very pretty. pretty he's mm-hmm. in Dune. Uh, he's in, He's got a bunch of stuff coming up, but I think most people would know him from Dune. That's one I was going to say, he's things. really a hot actor right now. Yeah. He's in Lady Bird. Little Women. Little Women. Little women. Yeah, yeah, that's he's mine, in, too. Uh, he's a very, very pretty, pretty he's boy. He's a pretty boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. And he also matches the description of, like, kind of not, you know, the big buff pretty boy. Yeah. Like slight. Yeah. yeah mm, so. That's fair. All right. Delicately built. I have the same Z's. All right. Jess and I are the same Z's, apparently. Yep. Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> that's what I had. All right. Rachel. <sighs> the problem is I had, like, four. Uh, you get one, as always, for the three years we've been doing this, you get one. <laughs> Everybody gets one. So Everybody when I looked at one. his art, I, I leaned toward blonde. Okay. Just because looking at the oh, art. Okay. Um, right. And because he has kind of that sinister look to him, I went for Oliver Jackson Cohen, who uh, is uh, from Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor. He plays the twin brother in the first season. Uh, and oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of schmarmy, uh, seductive mm. guy in the second season, and I'm just That's like, true. yeah, like he's he's like scary, but you're like, oh, yeah, at the same time, <laughs> it's very weird. Oh, he was also in the 2020 adaptation guy. of The Invisible Man. He was, yeah, and huh. he had that very sinister look in that too, and so I think he pulls off that seductive, sinister, like you're not sure if you should like him or hate him. Mm. Maybe both, but yeah, that's who I'm going with. All right. I suppose that makes it my turn. Yes. Yes, it yes. makes it my turn. Hooray. I decided to go for, I mean, the moment I say it, it's going to spoil who it is, the prettiest of the Spider-Men, um, <laughs> which is Andrew Garfield. Ah, Garfield. I, mean, I think it's subjective, but. Yeah, I was about to say, because I was like, Tom Holland? <laughs> no, I, I've heard him called the quote unquote prettiest. But, yeah, yeah, and Tom Holland is super cute, but I don't know if I'd call Tom Holland pretty. Hmm. But yeah. Andrew Garfield. Yeah, yeah Andrew Garfield. Um, so, you know, a lot of you probably already know him from uh, the Amazing Spider-Man series. Um, obviously, you know. Also, he's been in um, Hacksaw Ridge, Social Network. Yeah. A few other things. A lot of stuff, I'll be honest, I have not actually seen. Yeah. <laughs> but most surprising to me was he was actually in a couple episodes of Doctor Who. Yeah, um, he was really? in the, the episodes in New York. Uh, he mm-hmm. had an American accent, and, you know, they were turning pig people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. With the oh, Daleks yeah. and everything. He got I to be one of the that. pig people. No, no, he was not one of the pig people. He was oh. hel- helping. But anyway. Ah, uh, okay. He was helping. Interesting. Well, not helping create them, but he was trying to help free them. And <laughs> I was helping he make was a pig good guy. people. <laughs> I want pig people. Goodness. <laughs> That's Andrew Garfield. Anyway. Speaking of cryptids. Pick face women. That's actually a weird cryptid thing. Huh? What? Okay. what? That's a way throwback um, yeah, like an hour a, ago. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Just anyway, throwing that out there. That's a whole thing. Wow, that was way beyond left field and well, out in the parking lot. It's still the same after party. Call back. <laughs> is that me? Yep. Yes. Yep, that is yep. I'm done. All right. So appearance wise, I'm going for someone that is less pretty boy and more just stunningly handsome man. 
Fair enough. And uh, I think it's more because he can get across both the sheer intimidation factor of an archdevil, but also is... I don't have an easier way to say other than, like, pants-droppingly gorgeous. Can't read? Oh, my God. Oscar Isaac. <laughs> Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Of course, most people will know him from Moon... Well, Moon Knight's the new thing that's coming out with mm. him. Most people know Poe Dameron. My thought was going back to uh, his portrayal on Ex Machina, where mm. he's doing, like, the, oh, yeah. the sexy dance the whole time. Oh and it's like, it's like, hey, here's my sex robot. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah, like you do. So he, he know, comes I, across as both That makes it sound being, like a really weird movie, but it's actually, like, it a, a kind of horror thriller it's kind a, of thing. It's a very interesting... Horror thriller is a really good... Uh, is an accurate description of it. But again, like, Oscar Isaac's in that, like, delivers on both being, like, incredibly charming, but also disarmingly, disturbingly creepy. Yeah. So that was kind of the, the role I was going for with him. And besides, yep. Oscar Isaac's, come on. I mean... From what I've heard, he's a nice guy. I don't really know anything about him, but I mean, I don't know anything about him. usually say the people that play the best villains are usually like the nicest people. Mm. I've heard that. But the casting for these are now being held on Discord. And if you're like, Discord, what's that? Uh, You can find a link to that on our website, Mm find-path.com. Sure. You'll find fine episodes there, the Discord link. We have a merch merch shop. shop. Check Mm -hmm. out the merch. Link to our Patreon. You haven't done that. Link to our Patreon. And is there a link to Reddit still, or was there? Yep. Yep. There's okay. a link to our subreddit on there, our Twitter. Uh, I think there's a link to our Facebook, which we never update. Hey, the episodes <laughs> go to Facebook now. It's the episodes thing. do go yeah. to Facebook though, so if you if you like Facebook. I didn't even know we had a Facebook account, oh, yeah, or if okay. I did, yeah, it's no, been it so long that it has faded from memory. We had a Facebook account four years ago. I think I put you in charge of it, Heather. You're going to be our social media person. <laughs> I wasn't there Uh-oh. for that, so I have no idea. I have idea. no memory of that at all. Like 100%. I have no memory of this. And with that, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for writing in and continue writing in, and maybe we'll read you on another After Party. We need some more Hell's Rebels letters, so please write in. Yes, yep. more Hell's Rebels. We should cast and ourselves. What? We what? Did. Like, what? Yeah, like if there was a movie about our lives, who would play us? Oh, oh Lord, no. I don't even can, know. Can I cast I wanna... young Jonathan Franks? Because that would make me so happy. That'd be oh, yeah. really sure. funny. I mean, it would, it's it a fantasy. Would, Rick's it got feels his. the most accurate. I need time. I I have no idea. I, I couldn't yeah. even I'm not saying right now. I'm just think. saying in general. That'd be anyway, weird to think about. how about we let the fans suggest that? <laughs> no, that's oh, yeah, point. fans write in and suggest <laughs> Ooh, that yeah. would, be would be good to play us in a biopic about Find the Path. Anyway, until next time, bye, Path Folk. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Yeah, I'd gotten that yeah. one once before. I was like, huh. mm. you got John Green. I've gotten John times. Green. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I can see John Green. <laughs> the best I've ever gotten is Jay Leno. So you're doing better than me. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing. I've got nothing. I'm one of a kind. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Hell's Rebels is copyright 2015. Hell's Rebels and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission. Find the Path Ventures have converted Hell's Rebels from Pathfinder to Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Conversion notes are available to our Patreon backers at patreon.com backslash findthepath. <laughs>